All right, well, last week, Easter, and Dustin did a phenomenal, phenomenal job of, yeah, see, that, uh, you guys are quick learners. Um, yeah, he did a phenomenal job of sharing that, that Easter sermon, and he, he was able to really <laughs> illustrate some really cool, different sides of the story that we typically hear at Easter. And man, I'll tell you, um, I, I thought it was phenomenal. And he led us into this series that we are rolling into here, One of the Twelve. Uh, and we're going to be, be talking about Judas Iscariot, the one that was to betray Jesus. And we're going to look into uh, him and maybe uh, some of the things on how he carried himself and how maybe we can relate more with Judas than, uh, than maybe we, we realize. All right? So uh, this, I know, right? Wow. Uh, it's, it's, we always label Judas Iscariot as that betrayer. And so we immediately think, bad, bad, bad. But as Dustin illustrated, he walked by Jesus' side for three and a half years and was in the thick of it for all that time. And so maybe there's more that we can learn from the story. Amen? All right, so um, we're going to go to Matthew 26, and this is going to be the root scripture uh, of the sermon today. We're starting in verse 6. I'll read us through this. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman who we later learn is Mary from John 12, uh, Mary came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked, this perfume could have been sold at a high price, and the money could have been given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus kind of knows what's going on in here. He says to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Skipping down to verse 14, it says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So the title of today's sermon is more than 30, more than 30. Let's pray together uh, that the Lord would um, speak to us today. So help me out, Jesus, God, I pray that um, you would use me, God, simply as a vessel to share your word today, that you would speak through me. I am your servant, and I just want to deliver what I feel you've given to me, and I pray that you would just open our hearts in our minds to receive what it is that you have in store for us, that you would just prick our heart in a new, fresh way, God, that would pull us closer to you. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. 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 All right, so believe it or not, um, I married this beautiful lady over here 10, almost 11 years ago. 10, 11 years ago. That's crazy. 
almost, July will be 11. Um, you can quiz me, but I got it. So uh, 10, 11 years ago, and I, I'll tell you guys, I was excited. Can you remember, uh, for those of us that have, have done that and gone through that process, that like we were, I was excited. You know, I'm like, I've been dating her for several years, and we've been engaged for a year, and now we're finally married and together. We can go to our house. We can just live life together. And I was pumped and excited. Anyone remember? Right? And then I quickly learned that um, I'm very accustomed to live in life uh, as Devin Thacker and not having to worry about anyone else, their wants, their cares, right? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I quickly started to learn that, oh my God, I, I was inviting people over, forgetting to tell her. Friday night comes along, oh babe, they're come, we got so-and-so coming over. She loved that every time. Uh, you would think I would have learned quicker than I did, but that happened numerous times. Um, and so I started to learn that I needed to figure out some things. Well, the 23 years leading up to this, I really enjoyed me some sports. I played a lot of sports. I watched a lot of sports. Uh, you know, Sports Center was on every single night. And as ridiculous as it is, and, and I think some of you guys will follow me on this, but we would watch the same Sports Center show, the, the hour following the one we just watched as if something's going to change. But, you know, we just had to watch it again for some reason, right? So I was real, this is what I was used to. I was used to playing a lot of sports, you know, and I was used to watching a lot of sports. And I started to notice that when it came time to leave to go play softball, that something wasn't, like Tara wasn't as excited about softball as I was. And so I'm like, okay. Well, we start, we start investing into our relationship more and more, getting to know each other more and more. We come across the five love languages, right? All right? So we, several of us know what the five love languages are, right? So this is just different categories that help us understand how we feel loved, all right? That's, that's all that it really is. It breaks it down into five different categories. So physical touch, that's this guy. I am a cuddler. So, you know, if you guys know I like to hug, I apologize if you don't like that, but that's me. And, um, and so I, physical touch is my thing, right? There's acts of service, there's gift giving, there's words of affirmation, and then my wife's. Off the charts, none of the other ones even mattered, quality time, quality time. So Devin is accustomed to leaving and going and playing a lot of sports. And even when he is home, he's watching sports. <laughs> and uh, I started putting these two together. I'm like, she isn't feeling loved by her newlywed husband. And so I had to start figuring this thing out. I'm at a crossroad. And as silly as this might sound to some of y'all, I had to deal with sports or the wife. That might sound ridiculous to some of you, but sports was so ingrained in my life that I was struggling with this thing a little bit. But I knew that in order to show my wife that I love her 
more than sports, more than watching sports. I need to scale back on the sports side, and I need to start feeding some quality time into her. Right? I had to show my wife that I prioritize her over sports. And that might hit some of you fellas right now, but that's, that was the crossroads that I was at. And so I had to learn to start showing her love by giving her that quality time. There's a sacrifice involved with that, right? Judas, in our story here, in the text, he just didn't get Mary's love language. He didn't understand what is she doing. She's wasting so much. He didn't understand it. What's wrong with softball? I don't get it. That's where he's at in his head. He just didn't understand her love language and that she was showing this unbelievably beautiful act of worship to Jesus Christ, who he had warned, I'm not going to be here much longer, right? So we're going to continue to peel away at this here, but something that I want to um, establish is our God is a continuous outpourer. Our God, if you think about it, right? And and I'll I'll be honest, when I read this um, in a book I recently read, I was like, oh, that is a cool thought. Silly me, never really thought about this. But he is a continuous outpourer. God is always pouring himself out. He is always pouring out love to us. He's always communicating to us through his Holy Spirit. He is always pouring out joy and peace. And he is always at his job. We agree? Now, Scripture also tells us that we are made in his image. We are made in the likeness of God. So what that tells us is that we are constantly outpouring ourselves. And another way of saying this is we are ceaseless worshipers. We are always worshiping something or someone. We are always giving ourselves to someone or something. And since we are born into sin, since we live in this broken world, our natural bend is toward people and toward things. And it's not toward worshiping God, our creator. And that, by definition, is idolatry. Idolatry. It's misdirected worship. Misdirected worship. This is at the heart of what we're going to be talking today is what are we pouring ourselves out to? What are we prioritizing in our lives? Let's go to Jeremiah 2.13. Another scripture that, honestly, I've... uh, So I've been raised in this church thing, and uh, I've never, honestly, heard this scripture tied to idolatry directly, but I really, really like it. So it reads... My people have committed to two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
So I'm going to try to break that down and illustrate this a little bit more. We forsake God. This is God speaking here. They have forsaken me. I am the spring of living water. They have forsaken me. They come over here. They dig up and create their own cisterns, which cisterns are meant to hold water. So we're trying to create something to hold water when we are forsaking the very source of living spring water, right? And not only that, do we try to do our own thing over here, (laughs) we can't even create or build something that is going to actually hold that water. We, are bro- we, can't, we can't do it on our own, right? It's broken. So we forsake the source, the spring of living water to go try to make something of our own that is our own, can I say, savior? And, and at the end of the day, if it's not God, it always, always fails. Amen? I heard a... Um, a pastor tell a story, and um, he went to a third world country, and he went through this town. And if you've ever gone, say, like on a cruise, or you know, gone um, to a, um, where they all inclusive resort, you kind of have to drive through a town. You guys know what I'm talking about? For the, you kind of have to drive through this town that typically are very impoverished, right? And so this guy, this is my mental picture as he's telling this story, where he's walking through this very impoverished town with these shacks of homes. And he starts to notice that there are these little boxes or little forms that they have created as their idols. And I don't know about you, when he shared that, and as I'm entering into the story with him, I kind of got the willies a little bit. Like, oh, that's, ugh. It's kind of like going to New Orleans, you know, and you walk down certain streets and you're like, oh, something's just not right. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so he's walking through this town. He ultimately gets to the place that he's supposed to be where he's supposed to serve and do his thing and why he's there, right? And he runs into this, this lady that shares with him, yeah, I've been to America. Oh, yeah, tell me, tell me about your experience. How did it go? She's like, oh. I can't, I can't do America. Well, tell me why not? Like, America's great, right? Tell me why not? I can't do the idols. He said, I, I'm sorry, but I just literally walked through your town and I, I saw idols present everywhere I looked, basically. She's like, yeah. Yeah, but your idols are big. She said, your idols are in the form of stadiums that cost a lot of money. They're filled with thousands, tens of thousands of people that buy apparel to wear a name on their back. And then they spend hours screaming and shouting and going crazy over a game, over the name that's on their back. She said, I've seen big theaters where you play these movies of these people that you 
idolize. You see them on the magazine covers. You idolize them. You try to mimic them. You try to be like them. You go into your homes, and you've got these big boxes on the wall that you watch TV, where, again, you watch these people that you try to mimic and that you idolize. And I got to tell you, you might kind of be doing an internal eye roll, but I have been there where I've heard, I've heard many times people talk about, you know, at, at the sporting events, you know, you're hooping and hollering, and you're not even hooping and hollering here at church, you know. But when I heard this story from a lady that was from another culture, came over to America and saw this, it got me thinking, man, am I just accustomed to this? Like, have I always, have I always downplayed that in the past? Because I've already told you, I love my sports. So that can't, you know, that can't be a problem, right? Am I getting too touchy? <laughs> so that really, really hit me. It really hit me. Something I do want to point out here is that idols, a lot of times we associate them with clearly wrong things. Like we've clearly turned toward sin. We've turned from God and toward sin. But I want to point out here, Idols are not always bad things. Sports in, them, in, in itself are not bad, right? Watching a movie is not in itself bad. In our Judas story here, he talked about his concern for the poor. Would, we would all agree that that's not bad, right? But the problem was he prioritized the poor over Jesus Christ, the Savior, who was sitting right there. And that's when it becomes the problem, is when we prioritize those things over God, right? That's when it becomes a problem. Mark Driscoll says that we take good things, we make them God things, and that's what makes them bad things. I'll say it again because it's a little easy. It might be a little corny, but it's easy to remember. Uh, we take good things, we make them God things, and that's what makes them bad things. So when it comes to worship, which is all of our life, we've established that now, right? It's all of our life. God cares about what we do and why we do it. That's what he cares about. Let's look at the differences, some of the differences between Judas and Mary. Can we do that? All right. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I'm trying to get them going, you know? All right. So let's look at Judas. He, uh, he decides, he decides in his mind, that's it. I'm betraying him. He goes and he goes to the high priest to do his thing and work his deal, right? But he does that in the darkness. He does that secretively. Now, typically, when we do things privately or secretly, we're probably not doing what we probably should be doing, right? Now, contrary, Mary, she does this very public display of worship toward Jesus. There's no shame in it. 
She doesn't care what anyone thinks about it. She knows that I am in the right, my heart's in the right place. I am going to pour myself out to Jesus. Very public display of her love and affection for her Messiah. Another difference, Judas, very selfish motives. He goes, he works a deal with the high priest. He says, I'll give him over. What can you give me? What's in it for me, right? They count out 30 coins. Here you go. Very selfish. In contrast, Mary, she is selfless. Who would agree that walking into a room and doing something like pour perfume over someone, who would agree that, that that's a very selfless act? Like, you kind of have to stand out a little bit to like get out of yourself to do something like that. Put your pride aside, right? And when we do that in this place, when we forget about what everyone's doing around us, and we just give ourselves to him, can, would you agree that those are the times that have been most impactful in your life? When you've put the pride aside and you said, you know what? You are my priority right now. I don't care what anyone else says or thinks. I'm giving my all to you right now because you're worthy of it. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's, look at the differences in, let's look at the differences in the amounts. Let's look at the differences in the amounts. So Judas goes, works a deal, and he turns over the savior of this world for 30 silver coins, okay? Now, that equates to about a month to maybe up to four months, depending on these pieces of silver, okay? Now, looking at Mary, now, he's, he's keeping this for himself, right? Mary, on the other hand, comes in and it says, she poured very expensive perfume. Well, how expensive, since we're doing this comparison game? It was a year's worth of salary, OK? Now, I looked up what the average year's salary is in America now, $56,500, OK? Now, I thought about, and I, I was going to do it, but I'm, I forgot. I was going to have a bag up here, and I was going to pull it out like I had $56,000 in it. And I was going to be like, let me show you and illustrate how much it is. And then it would be empty and uh, just play a joke. But, but $56,000 compared to a month's, up to a few months' worth of your wages, a fraction of, and she is pouring it out, giving it out. Right? What is the difference in the heart between the two? What is the difference in the mind between the two? John Calvin says that, and, and this is kind of a summary of what he said, the human heart is an idol factory. We produce idols all the time. Our hearts are idol factories. We are constantly producing our own Idols. So let me ask you, who or what do you love most, and what does it reveal about your heart? Because if it's the love of money, then what you're telling God is that you don't trust him 
in that area of your life. You don't trust that he'll take care of your needs. That's what the love of money is telling God. Apply that to any other idol. You're telling God, I don't trust you here. I'm going to go figure this out myself. I'm going to create this cistern that's going to fail me anyway. Let me ask you uh, another question here. What consumes your mind? We talked about the heart. We talked about how Judas made the decision, I'm giving them in. So what consumes our minds? Where, is, where are you at in your mind? When you're laying in bed and you can't fall asleep, what is just running through that thing? I have been struggling for whatever reason to fall asleep lately, and my mind is just going. I've got work going. I've got kids in the spouse and the name, you just on and on and on. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone can relate with me? It just goes and goes and goes. And then what I find interesting is I finally get to the place, I get wise enough where I'm like, I just need to pray for just a second. Like just, maybe if I just ask for some peace right now, and you guys know the rest of the story. (laughs) As soon as I give it to him, it's night, 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 night. So, John Calvin, about the mind, he says, our human minds put God in a box because we can't comprehend all of his fullness and we create our own God in our minds. And what happens is we take it from the mind to the hands and then that's where our actions come from. It all starts with the mind. It all starts with the mind. So what this tells me is, and I just had a conversation with uh, Dustin yesterday, we, we, can't fo- we can't comprehend all that God is and how great he is. We, we just, we can't comprehend how amazing he is, but we try to. And in doing so, we put him in our own box. We frame limitations and boundaries of our God. Even if you love God with all that you've got. We, we can't comprehend it. We try to. We put limits on him. And then what we do, and this is where the idols come in, is where we've framed those limits, we go and fill in the void. We fill in the void because we just don't think that he can get us there for whatever reason, right? That's, that's what happens. Would you guys agree with me? So what is driving your decisions? Is it, is it fear or is it the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you? What consumes your mind? Let's talk about some steps to making God more than 30. I've just got three steps here, okay? The first step is we have to identify our idol or idols. We have to identify this thing, right? Because a lot of times we don't even realize it. A lot of times we don't even realize we go through life, life's busy, we're going one thing to the next. We wake up, we get the kids to school, we go to work, have a long, exhausting day at work, we get home, we eat dinner, we spend as much time with the kids as we can, we spend as much time with the spouse as we can, we get a little TV in, night-night, back to night-night. We wake up, we do it all over again. Life is crazy, right? 
We just keep going. We're going through these motions. So we don't even realize the idols that we've created in our lives many times. And so again, this is a self-evaluation, heart-digging, mind-wrenching, where, for real, where are my idols, right? So ask those questions. What am I putting my trust in? Is it trying to create the lifestyle that I want? Uh, what am I sacrificing over God? Is it, is it work? Is it school? Is it trying to get a GPA? I spoke with a lady just a few days ago at my work. She said, yeah, I decided I can't serve at church because work's just too busy. You know? What are we sacrificing over God? Think about it and self-evaluate for yourself. Second step is to repent. Repent. Repent means you're going this direction, you turn, and you go the other, all right? So you're currently worshiping some sort of idol that we just identified. We're moving, we're pouring out to it, we're giving to it, we're investing into it, whatever it is, giving our time to it. And then we turn, we say, no, God, I'm going to you, okay? So we repent is step two. Step three It's simply we look to God. We look to God. What I mean by that is let's dig into his word because his word will reveal, it will reveal what we need to prioritize and how we need to go about doing that. So his word will help us to know the truth and how to fulfill those needs in our life. And the other thing is when we look to God, we also look to his people. We look in this room, we have community here. We need community. Can I get an amen on that? We need community. We need community because community helps lift us up. It helps speak truth and grace into our lives. That's what we are to do, right, for each other. And so that that helps us get through, keeps us focused on God rather than those idols that we have identified in our lives. Um, so the, the saying goes, right, take a look at your, your calendar, take a look at your checkbook, and I can tell you what are your priorities. So true, right? So true. So when you're evaluating, take that into consideration. It really comes down to self-control. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is self-control, And I'm not standing up here acting like I got this all together, because Devin likes some donuts, all right? (laughs) Devin struggles with self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. The constant variable in our life is us. We get really good at blaming other people. (laughs) When we fall short, we we get really good at looking and deflecting, and no, it's not me, it's them. But the constant variable, no matter the situation, no matter what's going on, no matter what we're pouring ourselves out to, the constant variable is us, is us. And so um, will you take responsibility for your life to succeed in this area? Will you take the responsibility to succeed in this area? Because when you do, that's when his word will come through. His promises will be applied. When you put God first, when you put God first, the truths 
and the promise, promises that we find in his word will come to pass. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's worship him. Let's, let's not worship all these other things that are part of our life, whether it's power, pride, money, spouses, kids, lifestyles, reputations, whatever it is. Let's give it to him. Let's worship him. If the band would like to come on up. Jesus doesn't exist to give us our idols. He exists to be the object of our worship. And he exists to rescue us from those idols. That's why he exists. Can I be real with y'all? Um, I, uh, I have struggled, um, I have struggled with my pride. I've put all those things that hold my pride up and I've forsaken him. That's where I've struggled. I've been more focused about my reputation, what I look like, what my family looks like, how well put together I am. And I've forsaken God in doing that. I have held my myself back from God in times of my life because I was more concerned about how I looked. Isn't that crazy? I've been more concerned about how I look. You know, um, it reminds me of all the times that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees they looked like they had their stuff together, didn't they? They knew scripture. They looked the part. They wore those long tassels signifying they knew their stuff. They looked like they had it all together, but the whole New Testament is Jesus trying to rectify their hearts, right? God, I pray I pray that you would help us all to identify what it is that we struggle with, what it is that we prioritize over you, that we can be real enough with ourselves, real enough with ourselves to even see it, God, that we would turn to you, (laughs) that we would turn to you and not forsake you anymore, that we would look to you and run to you, that we would look to your word and what it tells us and the truths that are there for us, that we would lean into the community that we have here to help us, to help us prioritize you over all things at all times.